BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. What's in Chicago? Meet me. I'm in Chicago. Uh, this is Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, the show that tells you everything you don't know about the very worst people in all of history. And today, I'm in the windy city that never sleeps on a Big Apple, Chicago, Illinois, uh, with my co-hosts today. The hosts of the Wonderful Knowledge Fight podcast, my favorite podcast, Dan and Jordan. Hey, hey everybody. Thanks for having us. I don't know your last names. Well, it's irrelevant. We we're, gave them up. We're not allowed to say our last names uh, on television. So. It's a Mr. Mixelplick situation. We'll be ah. banished to another dimension yeah. should we uh, say our names. Oddly enough, I have a friend uh, who's like that, and it's Mr. Mr. Mixelplick. It's a, yeah. Yeah. You said yeah. his name backwards yeah. twice, though, yeah. so you yeah. got him. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. gotcha. Terrible. You can only visit him on uh, certain occasions. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, so, uh, thanks for having us. Uh, you know, it's nice. In Chicago, there's so many, so many choices of people you could sit down. A lot of, with, a lot of things know? going on in Chicago. I was surprised at the cars. Yeah. Um, as a Southerner, and then and then a West Coaster. I didn't realize you had them here yet, but that's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. When, once the once the city burned down the first time, we were mm-hmm. like, "Well, let's wait for the second to get some cars." But we decided against it. Well, so. I'm I'm proud of y'all. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on in Chicago. Mainly, it's cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very cold. Yeah. Um, Have you been yelled at about food at all? Yet? Oh my God! <laughs> Actually, I have a tale. This will be dropping an episode of Worst Year Ever, but uh, we went totally on accident when we were covering uh, Cody Johnson, Katie Stoll, and I were covering a Midwest Fur Fest. We went to accidentally what has to be one of the fanciest restaurants. It's one of the fanci- fanciest restaurants, maybe the fanciest I've been to in my life. So hmm. I'm guessing it's one of the fancier ones in Chicago. Potbelly, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it, it was, yeah. No? Okay. Uh, the Capitol Grill, 
Um, oh. It was a place that like we walked in and they asked to take our coats and we said Ooh. no and they immediately looked like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> that is just not done. <laughs> but they, they seated us and we ordered lobster bisque, which was fantastic. The food was, was phenomenal. Um, and as I was eating my bisque, the waiter walked by and lo- gave me, fetched me a look of pity and mm. said, sir, is there something wrong with oh. your soup spoon? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I had used the wrong spoon. I was uh, I was half sure the problem was going to be that you put ketchup in the bisque, which is uh, frowned upon. I'm in not Chicago. quite that much an animal, but I am apparently a, a filthy animal because I used. Yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm deeply ashamed. Wow, as uh, so, Chicagoans allow us to uh, uh, resolve or uh, what, what is that called? Absolve you. Of your food sin. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, thought yeah. you were going to double down. No, I don't give a shit about bisque. <laughs> so we, we have never been to a swanky restaurant. <laughs> Do I look like it, I've it, ever yeah. touched a soup spoon? It was yeah. purely by accident that we went there. <laughs> Jordan thought bouillabaisse was a cold soup. I really did. It's right? not. I really today. did. This uh, was on the way here. Every soup that's not uh, clam chowder, I assume, is gazpacho. Gazpacho. Yeah. I don't know other soups. Jordan didn't uh, know about tripe to. until earlier today. I did today. not know about tripe. No. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really don't think it, it. Once I learned about tripe, it did not bother me that I didn't know about it yeah, for this long. Yeah. It's not good. No. Um, so uh, normally, y'all host a podcast mm-hmm. uh, where you sit around, drink novelty beverages, and talk a little bit about Alex Jones. That is true. We're not doing anything like that today. Okay. That's uh, no, nothing even vaguely reminiscent of that. I, I, you told me earlier that we were going to talk about somebody that has nothing to do with Infowars. Couldn't be less involved. And I was almost convinced it was a trap. No, I thought, no, no. We talked about Alex Jones before <laughs> and then Mike Adams. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, normally, I would have you on to, to discuss someone in Alex Jones's universe mm-hmm. because that's your wheelhouse. But uh, sometimes the sausage just got to be made, and mm-hmm. you are the sausage packers sure nearby uh, yeah i'll take it that's at the moment chicago's not uh, had sausage packing for a while but i think we'll we'll start the project again well um do you guys know the name of a little fella named adam neumann no it does ring a bell have you heard of a company called WeWork? yes, yes. it's that guy oh boy oh boy ah. <laughs> and he is a real piece of shit okay that, that <laughs> yeah. sounds right mm-hmm so uh, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna d- dive into this sh- to dive into this shit right now. Um, so ah, 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 well, now I accidentally scrolled to the bottom of the page. Very professional. This is how the sausage gets made when we don't print it out. Adam, no discernible middle name, Neumann, was born in Tel Aviv. Israel on April 25th, 1979. It's very close to my birthday. I'm already very invested in this story. <laughs> and you were also born in Tel Aviv. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the American Tel Aviv. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which is Van Nuys, California. Yes. Yeah. He gets uh, a lot of shit about the right to return laws for mm-hmm. California. For, so, for, yeah. Yeah. Which is, you do not have them. Stay the fuck out of California. Yeah. There's too many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's from here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, when he was seven, his parents divorced and his mother moved to New York City to do her medical residency. Adam and his sister, Avi, moved in with her. Now, I found other variations of Adam's story that claimed the split happened when he was nine and that 
They moved to Minneapolis first. I think he lies a lot. <laughs> you, you know it's I, a I don't bastard know. Yeah. on this show whenever it's like, I've heard multiple stories <laughs> about his life. About, like, mm. like, specifically when he came, like, yeah, yeah like, yeah, inconsequential yeah. details. <laughs> I don't know. I, I ran into both. Um, we don't have a lot of granular details of his childhood, um, like, not a lot of anecdotes about him as a kid. Um, but we know it was rough. Uh, he was severely dyslexic, still is severely dyslexic. You don't just... Um, is that why we work as one word? Maybe. <laughs> Does that is that a dyslexic thing? I don't think it is. <laughs> Welcome to Behind the Baskets, the podcast where we slander dyslexia and talk about terrible people. Mm. Mm. So yeah, he was dyslexic, uh, couldn't read or write at all until the third grade, um, and his mom moved constantly. So he lived in a lot of different homes and usually didn't spend enough time in any one place to build strong attachments to people there. I get that a little bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, in 1990, when he was 11, Adam's mom moved back to Israel. His family and he settled in a kibbutz. You guys know much about kibbutzes? Uh, I've, kibbutz I've, I know a little bit about kibbutzes. I uh, like the word a lot. Yeah, Kibbutzy. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a commune essentially, right? Yeah, it's like uh. a it's like an Israeli co- type of commune thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to talk about them a little bit. Uh, the first kibbutz was founded in a place called Deganya, and you know, in Palestine at the time. Uh, now, now the nation known as Israel, uh, in 1909 and 1910. Now, this is too complex a topic to do justice to as an aside in this episode, but it's reasonably accurate to say that the inspiring motivations behind the establishment of the first kibbutzes, kibbutzim, um, I'm not really sure what's correct. I don't know Yiddish. Um, is a mix of Zionism, uh, admiration of like literal classical Spartan values, um, and communism. So it's like a milit. It was like an initially like very militant. So like when the Israeli uh, war for independence or war, of, you know, the 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 Nakba, yeah. whichever term you prefer to use, when that happened, a lot of like the cells of like Israeli um, or not. I mean, they weren't Israeli at that point. Of like of like Jewish partisans who like f- were active were like based around kibbutzes and mm-hmm. stuff. And like there were kibbutzes that were like manufacturing arms and stuff. And like later wars and stuff. So th- there was like a militant swing to them, but also very leftist, very communist, very like 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 communitary yeah 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 um, i assume that'll never go wrong and yeah just a really fucking complicated yeah, thing I, mean, yeah. I, I i please don't take this like read up more on them i i don't want to like like and they're all different too so i'm sure there's a lot of kibbutzes that that are, have very different backgrounds but i found like a really fun lecture on the history of kibbutzes by a guy named henry near who was a, a professor at some fucking college uh and i'm gonna quote from that now it was governed by all the members gathered in their weekly meetings. Meals were eaten in common in the central dining hall, which also served as a social and cultural center, and other items of consumption were distributed freely, or in accordance with the principle, to each according to his or her need. In its early stages, all decisions were taken in common by all the members. So that's the idea of a kibbutz, like pretty gotcha. radical, ground-up yeah, democracy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty, pretty all right. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like a fun way to live. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about the making arms part. I don't know if I'm going to sign up for that, uh, <laughs> that aspect of this. But Why wouldn't you want to make some arms? I just, it's not my <laughs> little, thing, A little man. bit of arms here, a little bit of arms there. I just feel like I don't have the right kind of like dexterity in those skills. No, I, I mean, really, really you want kids for making arms because their little fingers can oh, get in all those holes. Sure, you know? sure, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Poke the little, little baby fingers. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh, nobody makes an AK-47 like a couple of three-month-olds. Yeah. Absolutely. They really, they really know how to... They start them young, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, women and men both worked all day in the kibbutzes, uh, kibbutzim. Um, their children were cared for in small groups, looked after by individuals who were a mix of teacher and nanny. Uh, kids spent time in their parents' home after working hours, but in most cases slept with other kids in a children's house at night. In the early days, at least, all of the kibbutzes were part of a utopian movement towards a better society. Uh, one of the founders of the first kibbutz, Joseph Baritz, uh, wrote this in his memoirs. We were happy enough working on the land, but we knew more and more certainly that the ways of the old settlements were not for us. This was not the way we hoped to settle the country, this old way with Jews on top and Arabs working for them. Anyway, we thought that there shouldn't be employers or employed at all. There must be a better way. Very left-wing, yeah. very like yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. utopian projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just want to emphasize that. Yeah, this being this show, though, I'm waiting for a hammer to drop. Yeah, it, uh, it goes in a not not as utopian direction. There they're still go. around. Yeah. They're not all at least the same that they were. So right. obviously right, in the early right. days, they were all about agriculture. Um, some still focus on that. But today they serve in a variety of industries. For example, Kibbutz Sasa uh, serves the Israeli military making special military-grade plastics. Hmm. Its 200 members sold some $850 million in products in 2010. So these Ooh. are not... All these are not small, but yeah, necessarily. Yeah, That's a yeah, sizable yeah, yeah. business. It's very different than right. what I was imagining. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. And uh, Kibbutz near Am, where Adam Neumann spent his formative years, currently hosts an innovation center that seems to focus as an incubator for the Israeli tech industry and looks like literally any tech building in San Francisco from the pictures I've seen. So, like, these are no longer like like necessarily like rural or like right. like hard scrabble things. Like, there's big businesses that are, are operated in these. Gotcha. Things. Um, now, by the time Adam and his family arrived at Kibbutz near Am, uh, Kibbutzes had moderated significantly from their early radical leftist ideology. And rather than being educated in a group of children on site, he went to the Sha'ar Hanegev, I'm so sorry for surely pronouncing that, school, uh, which is near the Gaza Strip. Uh, his mother worked as an oncologist at a nearby hospital. Um, and living in a kibbutz and taking part in its communal life was something that Adam's mom valued. He later recalled, it was important to my mother that we all do something special. So, yeah, every write-up you're going to find of this guy's life focuses on his time in the kibbutz. It seems to be something Adam himself may, has made a point of discussing with every journalist who interviewed him. Right, right, right. Um, despite how often it comes up, you seldom hear any details of his time there. One of the few scraps I ran into came from a Haaretz article. As a child who lived in a lot of places, one of the hardest things for me was to join a new community. It was hardest at the kibbutz, but that was also one of the most impressive communities. I remember how much fun it was to be a child in the kibbutz. I feel like I would probably speak uh, the same, but also like, you know, not very in in detail about like the time when I lived in like, I don't know, Boston. Yeah. I don't remember much of it, but I could probably be like, you know, hey, it made me who I am. Right, right, right. And you you get the like he he really drives home that it was like a a formative thing for him. But you also get the the idea that was kind of painful. He talks Mm -hmm. a lot about how. Um, he, the other kids that he that were on the kibbutz had all been born and like grown up there, and he had moved there when he was like eleven or twelve or so. Um, so that was like obviously difficult. Um, right. So right, he would have right. been something of an outsider. He says he like made his way in, and it was really rewarding. I kind of get the feeling that maybe this guy's never quite felt like he belonged anywhere it's like being the new kid in school but the school happens to be a commune and nobody wants you there and nobody wants you there yeah maybe i don't know i wasn't there uh i i didn't grow up in that particular israeli kibbutz um 
Now, as a young adult, Adam went to the Israeli Naval Academy and served in the Navy for five years. So he didn't do like the minimum service you need to do. Like he, he, he made a thing of it. Yeah. Um, he retired as a captain uh, or left the service as a captain. Um, once he'd done his time, uh, he followed in his mother's footsteps and moved to New York. He was 22 years old, and it was 2001, widely considered to be the very best year in history to move yeah, to Big Apple. Yeah, I, I remember. Well, well uh, the Blueprint 3, or no, the Blueprint dropped. Mm -hmm. uh, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's first album. Absolutely. That was, that was really, really good. The Strokes' first album. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Is all of it? those all of those happened on uh, on a day that I don't think anybody remembers for any reason at all. No, no, no. no. Uh, 2001, particularly like the fall, early winter yeah, 2001, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. autumn. Great time to be in New York, uh, I assume. Absolutely. 2001, particularly good time to be in Brooklyn New York. Brooklyn dance punk was taking the nation by storm. Absolutely. Yeah, it was fantastic. So he moves there in a perfect time. Um, now, his sister, Avi, had already beaten him to New York. She had been a former teen Miss Israel and had managed to turn that into a career as a model. Uh, she was a very successful model and is very famous in Israel, much more famous than actually he is to this day. Um, he stayed in her Tribeca apartment uh, while he worked to figure out what his future would be. Eventually, he settled on business and enrolled at Baruch College. In between classes, he, in his own words, spent his first years in New York hanging out at clubs and, quote, hitting on every girl in the city. Um, he looked for, you know, spent the rest of his time looking for get-rich-quick schemes. Uh, his first months in the USA brought with them some sobering revelations about American culture. Quote, <laughs> it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, kind of, actually, yeah. That it's all it's, a fucking yeah, lie. It's, it's garbage. That we propagandize <laughs> around the fucking world. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that a lot of other people are also trying get-rich-quick schemes. <laughs> yeah. He's Shit, the city's full of people like me. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like a lot of people really wish they could get rich quick. This yeah. whole, the whole thing about the American character being con artists and uh, that, that it's a mix of con artists and gold rushers like yeah, the honest yeah. people are looking for a gold rush the not honest people are con artists the goal is always the same which is to spend as little time living in the part of america that exists for people who aren't rich mm -hmm. yeah which is hard <laughs> and filled with uh, in gofundmes for insulin yeah so <laughs> yeah. far the the places Jeez. for americans who aren't rich are, are not great no, uh, no. most people want to get out of there yeah no yeah. I, for one, don't understand why you would want to live anywhere but the Pacific Palisades. Mm. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, my butler lives elsewhere, and he says <laughs> it's there's, there's 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 decent parts. You, you fly him in for the weekdays, or, or is he a weekend butler? Like no, that kind no, of thing? no, 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 no. Do you he, split he, custody he, of the butler he, with your ex-wife? He, he takes he takes he takes the bus in, um, okay. and he's you know there's there's a tracking chip on him when he's Good. in the Palisade. We don't want Good. him to stay. Absolutely. Good Absolutely. lord, no, not after dark. Oh no, um, unless there's a party in which case we deliver a, a small series of electric shocks every 15 minutes so he doesn't okay. get too comfortable okay. you know all right yeah ethics um so yeah uh, adam had a rough uh, arrival to the united states um and i'm going to quote him now after i arrived in the united states i realized that in the army israelis learned how to be part of something bigger than themselves the things i had experienced in my life all came together in our life we had a lot of movement and a lot of new things so i feel sorry for someone who's having a bit of a hard time because i know what it's like to be new um, he found that he was like really frustrated by particularly the, the, the distance and kind of facelessness of American culture. Elevator rides were the things that most struck him. He recalled later to an interviewer that whenever he would travel up the elevator in his sister's apartment, he would wonder, why is nobody talking to each other? We're in the same building. How come you don't know everybody? Oh, man. 
Man, if somebody talked to me in an elevator, I lose my shit. I, yeah, I'm absolutely <laughs> furious. To be fair, I've had those very similar thoughts, but every time I've tried to act the opposite, it's been a disaster. No, like I keep every a time tear I've gas tried grenade to say hi me. to people, yeah. just, no, no, just, no, they don't want to be to say no. hi. I look like me. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a captive environment. I, there's no escape route. Yeah, that's that's the issue there. Yeah, you seem. Like I mean, a, obviously, until the doors open. <laughs> seem very suspicious you strike up a conversation in those no, those I, times when we've uh, as a culture just decided shut it down yeah yeah don't start a conversation in the bathroom the bus to, never no. the bus never the bus never the bus absolutely not never elevators no no i no. keep a tear gas grenade on me at all times Smart. and if anyone talks i just pull that pen <laughs> i will i will Ends the conversation that i will begin a conversation if we're stuck in the elevator and i'm just at the place where I have to poop in the corner. Yeah. In that, in that situation, I'm going to start with... That's more of just a warning. Sorry. Yeah. This is going to be rough for mm-hmm. all of us. Uh, I think we'll make it through. There are different protocols for once you get to that point. Right, though, right, you know, right. Yeah. The only place in America it's okay to talk to people is in line at the movies. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, good one. That works. That's it, really. Okay. That's it. I That's agree. It. Yeah. Other than that, zip it. Yeah, keep it, keep it shut. <laughs> Doctors waiting rooms, no, Not, no under never. no circumstances, no, no, no eye contact no. on planes. No. I say, I say a holding cell is probably a good place. Like, uh, yeah, you in on a DUI? yeah, a holding cell is yeah, another yeah, good place. Yeah, Talk, holding less, cells, that's movie less theater talking. lines. That's more like collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're got you're, you're in a holding cell. You're getting something cooking. You that's know? the beginning of the movie Blow. That's, that's what, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a get saying. rich scheme in the in the works. There. I can say a lot of people at gun stores want to have conversations with you while you're waiting. You, you know, should who not. You, want to kill? you should oh, not. No. You should not talk to those people. It yeah. does not end well. Uh, you will learn uncomfortable things about them. Mm. Um, yeah, I imagine every conversation at a gun store starts with my ex-wife, and that's where it goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the government. <laughs> Let me tell you about the government. Yeah. <laughs> the federal <laughs> government. Either that or I got a lot of fucking gophers on my property. Did How many know? misdemeanors for I can't buy one of these no more? <laughs> I imagine the, the, the people around there are full of trivia. <laughs> it is actually it's just mostly very, mostly gun trivia. Yeah, yeah. very accurate yeah. trivia. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, they changed the way the feed and ramp loads back in 1962. So that's a, yeah, it's very, very boring as a general rule. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, Adam gets to the U.S., fresh out of the military, is frustrated at like the the distance and the kind of soullessness, lack of communication in in American culture. Um, Yeah, he challenges his sister, uh, Avi, to a friend-making competition uh, to see who could learn the uh, names and establish cordial social relationships with the most people in the building the fastest that pisses me off yeah this is the first uh, time really, like, this is the beginning of me saying fuck this guy like, yeah that's the, this that's is it is this tra- is all i need is him trying this to connect with people him yeah. being like let's have a friendship contest fuck that guy fuck I'm that out. guy i'm out well you're trying to gamify like uh, <laughs> yeah, right natural interaction between people that just seems weird also his sister's name is addy i'm a hack and a fraud and and spelled it wrong not in the first abby, part. abby not Ad, abby gotcha, addy gotcha. yeah so uh is yeah, that he, long for something probably 
I don't know. It's just sister. She didn't do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> they they get into it. They get into a, a a contest to see who can like build the most cordial social relationships. She's the, the fastest. Model? Yeah, she's super. She's going to win this contest. She absolutely <laughs> wins this contest very quickly. Yeah. Ve- like almost immediately. This guy, this guy seems like a creep, and she's yeah. a model. <laughs> yeah, this guy's weird. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to start conversations in, in, a in elevators. Elevator. Yeah, and she's one of the most beautiful. Yes, she wins right. handily. Right, right, right. Gotcha. She has like six times as many friends as him after a week. It is not a not a close not a close thing. Feel for the guy. Not a near run game. Mm. Um, but Adam claims as a result of their contest, the entire energy of the building changed. The, to what? A positive From one. What people would he bother borrow sugar from each other? It was good. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, I don't. Mm, he no. says it was good. Okay. All right. Now, uh, this is a common refrain in Adam's interviews, both the difficulty of meeting new people when you move a lot, uh, the cold and informal nature of life in American society. Uh, And uh, oddly enough, this sort of like understanding that whatever it is about our hyper-capitalist world makes people not want to connect with one another was paired in Adam with a deep bone-level belief in the goodness of capitalism. Um, so that's interesting. That doesn't make sense on uh, it, any level. It but... will continue to not. Okay. Or maybe it will. Okay. <laughs> Capitalism alienates us from each other, and damn it, it's awesome. It's so good. Ah, I believe in it. I think I'm it's more of a capitalism fr- alienates, uh, or people in capitalist societies are alienated. What if we could find a way using capitalism to make them less alienated? Right, right, right. right. Yeah. You just got to put like financial incentives for that friendship contest. Let's see. Oh, boy, that sounds like it's a disingenuous friendship. Got to turn this into like a reality show. Show. Are there how are many there friends can you make? <laughs> other friendships than those based on money? Like my friendship with my butler, for example. Right, weekend right, butler. Right. I don't know his name. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Yeah, of course. Like, nah. why would I? It seems, uh, that seems odd. But no, when his wife died uh, because she couldn't afford her insulin, I did consider sending a flower, but then I thought kind of sends the wrong message well maybe. i mean if you inject the flower with insulin that's a real bad one yeah especially that i just i didn't want him to think he could talk to me in my elevator right 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 right. that's a good yeah. call you make him take the dumb waiter of course oh well absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean either that or the stairs yeah i usually the stairs Fair. yeah now um adam after this decided to drop out of college uh and launch himself into a frenzy of ill-conceived business ventures first he started a business selling women's shoes with collapsible high heels for reasons i cannot quite explain Hmm. Probably, um, probably one of those like uh, like operations, you know, like uh, Cutco, the knife sale yep. people. Right, who's probably like some women's shoe company <laughs> he got hooked up with. Right? No, no, assume, he right? started he started a business. Oh, he did that himself. No, he started the, his first weird. two business. I'll give him credit for that. His first two businesses are not cons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're products. They're just bad. They're products. bad products. Right, but they right, are. Right. He is trying to start a legitimate right. business that sells a product. I right. think we are three people here who have very little use for collapsible heeled shoes. Perhaps maybe we do not. A, uh, I'm not going to speak for the women listening uh-huh. as to whether or not that's a good idea. But he did not execute it well. Okay. As proven by the fact that the company didn't work. All right. Now, I think I'm a little bit late, but here's my pitch. Okay. Put some wheels on those. Do you remember those sneakers? The wheelies? That had wheel- yeah. yeah. I don't see any high problem wheelies. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. Soap shoes. Collapsible <laughs> high heels and expanded, uh, dra- uh, you know. Uh, perfect. 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 Uh, next, he made the leap to selling specialty baby clothing. Um, 
It collapses, of course. <laughs> it collapses. What's the They're actually breakaway thing? baby clothing. <laughs> Turned out that's attracted, sold very well to the wrong people. To the wrong Absolutely people. Yeah, to yeah. the wrong people. Yeah. Lot this baby's of dressed Catholic up like priests. a cop and it's about to dance. Oh, In boy. fact, the Vatican ordered $7 million worth, which Ooh. was really... <laughs> Watch out. Um, yeah, the, the ones he designed were called crawlers with a K. And they were normal baby pants with knee pads sewn into the legs. Which actually meshes uncomfortably with my Vatican joke. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh boy. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think the Vatican has carpet, though, so you don't need to... What? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in order to distract us from that, whatever... Uh, I'd like uh, to point out I did not take part in that. Really. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You know who else doesn't... He's a conscientious objector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know who else is a conscientious objector exactly. in the realm of... Priests and molesting baby sponsors. The sponsors of the show. There we go. (laughs) And uh, that is uh, that is that is an ad plug. Products. BP added more than seventy billion dollars to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So, if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, you have a 100% guaranteed way to save you money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. Right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. If you hate your phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data on the nation's largest 5G network. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. So switch to Mint Mobile and get your first three months of premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash behind. That's mintmobile.com slash behind. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. We're back and we're talking about Adam Neumann and his so far god-awful attempts to make it big in America. Women's shoes, padded knee baby right. clothes. To his credit, real businesses. That's not as crazy Actual as uh, some things I've heard. No, nope. you know? no. Nope. Okay. Are you telling me that his name is A. Neumann? A Neumann. Yeah, it is. Okay, there we go. It is. I just needed that clear like superhero. I just needed to be, yeah. Uh, the guy, it's the superhero whose power is talking to you in an elevator. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, like his, his power is never taking the hint. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I have a completely unfair picture of this guy already in my head, but. You don't. Yeah. I think I've nailed him. <laughs> okay. So, um, now Adam had started Crawlers with a $100,000 investment from his grandmother. By the time the financial crisis slammed down in 2008, he'd spent every dime of that investment, and his almost shockingly bad idea for a company was nearly out of gas. He had to hire a lawyer just to renew his visa to stay in the USA. Comes from a wealthier family. Gotcha. Not like rich, but well enough off that his grandma had an extra 100K to... Yeah. Yeah. So the, this difficult time for Adam's business prospects proved to be the most important period of his life. For one thing, it's when he met his future wife, Rebecca Paltrow. He was 28 at the time, and Rebecca recalls that he was really, really thin, and he was shaking because I think he was smoking too many cigarettes. And he was engaged in a friend-making contest. (laughs) He approached me, and then we got married. (laughs) She claims simultaneously that when she first talked to him, she realized both that he was full of shit and that he was her soulmate. Wow. That's that's that's. It's a shocking portrait of, a, mm-hmm. of another person. Yeah. I, guess, I guess that's the most self-aware thing you could say. It is the most self-aware yeah. thing she has ever said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, they went out for lunch, and Adam couldn't afford to pay for anything or for the cab ride because uh, he, was, he was broke. Do uh, you accept novelty baby clothes? <laughs> yeah, they did not. Um, Rebecca uh, insulted him for talking a big game but having no actual money, and Adam justified it by calling himself an entrepreneur whose money was all in inventory. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, they got together married a couple of months later um, so like very very quickly alright uh, he's getting better at making friends he's then. gotten yeah, a lot yeah, he's yeah. gotten good at making this one friend okay now at the time Rebecca had done a little bit more with her life than her uh, her paramour uh, she'd been a stock trader for like a week or two um, she'd spent time in a Buddhist monastery and been to the Dalai Lama's birthday party because she's rich as well um, she toured with Michael Franti and Spearhead what uh, not playing Oh. She was a just like wandering around, following yeah. Michael Even Franti so, and Spearhead. I reject this. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you are you a Spearhead fan? No, I actually weirdly I was hanging Refuse. out with a friend of mine from high school last night, and one of the things I've always accused him of be is being super into Spearhead, <laughs> and he re- he claims that that is not true at all. I literally they literally were something that I was yelling about last night. Why would that's a wild coincidence? Yeah. It's because they have a line in one of their songs like there's a war on cancer, war on drugs, war on police, war on hugs. And I'm like, there is not a war on hugs. There, there is, is absolutely a war. On- have you been in an elevator recently? <laughs> Zero people. <laughs> when, hugging uh, you when you try to hug someone on it, they do not appreciate <laughs> they it, like Dan. It. 
I'm, my mind is completely blown that this lady went on tour with Spearhead. Yeah, she went on tour with Spearhead. God damn Spearhead. Uh, and it's here I should drop that she's Gwyneth Paltrow's first cousin. Oh, I totally knew that. Yeah. Dude. Yep. Nah, keep that one in mind. Yeah, the, the goopy of it all. Now, uh, Rebecca and Adam started dating, and she helped him quit Re- smoking and so You said cousin? First cousin. Okay. Close so cousins. So she's dupe. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. They started dating. Uh, she helped him quit smoking and soda. She introduced him to Kabbalah, the Jewish mystical tradition, and worked to stop him from obsessing over money so much. I assume that worked. It absolutely did. Gotcha. So this is the end of the story. This is the end of the story. Oh, okay. Good episode, good. guys. Good, good. Um, this is about a man who played a friend game in his building, and we hate him. <laughs> and that is the end of his crimes. Yeah. He played a friend game that's kind of endearing, but yeah. also Honestly, profoundly lame. Uh, this Honestly, episode that's is all you needed to tell yeah, this, me. And this I'm, episode I'm like, yeah, is just is about great. getting our fans this to hunt this man down. Uh, he lives in a small apartment in Van Nuys now. Uh, so, so grab a gun. <laughs> Friendless. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so yeah, she tried to make him stop obsessing over money and. Adam later recalled, Rebecca said, stop, no more talking about money. We're going to talk about wellness, happiness, fulfillment. And if the money is supposed to follow, it will. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because we will be happy and fulfilled. That's the thing an asshole says. That is the thing a rich asshole said. No poor asshole has ever said, if the money's supposed to follow, it will. No, they say, what about the insulin? Poor Mm. assholes say, like, food is good. Yeah. Mm. Poor assholes say, like, we got to fucking make rent. Mm. Yeah. So... It was clear, though, that making fuckloads of money was the only thing that would actually make Adam happy and fulfilled. The baby clothes game was not working out, uh, but while he was failing at a second business, Adam fell in love with the building where Crawlers had its office space, an otherwise empty former warehouse in Brooklyn's rapidly gentrifying Dumbo neighborhood. That's a neighborhood? It, yes. I know. I <laughs> Every new thing I learned about New York. So many fucking racist crows in that neighborhood, too. Terrible. It's awful. They had to have a warning... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Disney Plus put one of the, the sign outside that neighborhood. Yeah, strangest juxtapositions of my life was was as a child, the racist crows in Dumbo. Yeah, Jim and then Crow. as an adult, the very different but also similar racist crows in Fritz the Cat. Yeah, yeah. but very different. Wow. I don't know. Even like the the Rick because it really directly deals with things like police violence uh, against the black community. Very com- complicated film. Yeah. Uh, the most complicated film with a mouse Nazi bike. Was he a mouse? Um, what species was the Nazi biker? I have no idea. I just remember Fritz the Cat's the one with the the bag, right? I'm way off. I'm thinking of a completely different cat. Now I remember what we're actually talking Fritz, about. Fritz the Cat is the one about the cat who fucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was thinking, I was thinking about a different yeah. cat. Great movie. I've never seen it not tripping, um, but have seen it five or six times and remember enjoying it and also feeling confused and conflicted at certain parts. Ralph Bakshi, everybody. A lot of, lot of. Check him out. Got, yeah, got yeah. really turned on by certain things. Uh, yeah, yeah. All, all of the, all of I had the. Had the same issue watching the Robin Hood uh, Disney movie. If you yeah. remember that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot or, of, a uh, lot of complicated feelings. Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Jaja <laughs> Gabor. Yeah. Fritz is interesting because all of the, all of the black people are crows, um, much like in Dumbo. But all of the police are literal pigs, um, hmm. and it's, it's quite a film. Uh, made in like the sixties, seventies weird movie yeah don't haven't haven't seen a good breakdown on a on the uh, haven't seen it sober maybe i should maybe nah, maybe i'm talking about horrible horrible <laughs> racist propaganda i don't think it was though i think it was about as woke as possible for the era sure but i may be wrong on that uh i remember enjoying it 
this has been too long a digression on Fritz the cat. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the, the 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 baby clothes game. You know, they they. So yeah, um, Adam yeah, falls in, in love with the building warehouse. where uh, the crawlers had its office space, which is an empty warehouse in Brooklyn's Dumbo neighborhood. He meets up with the neighborhood Joshua Goodman and tells him, "Give me the building." Uh, Goodman was like, "No." I assume that's at knife point that he told him, give me the building. <laughs> it's great. It's going to be great to be like the kind of person who could just be like, I want that building. I want yeah. that building. <laughs> get me that building. Yeah. I want that building. Yeah. So Goodman's like, no, and shoots back. Because basically Adam's not saying like, give me ownership of the building. He's saying like, let me control the space and rent it out. It's empty. Mm. Uh, and Goodman is like, why would I do that? You sell baby clothes. Goodman makes a good point here. <laughs> yeah, you know nothing yeah. about this industry. Yeah, yeah. Goodman, good point. Uh, and Neumann responds, uh, your business is empty. What do you know about real estate? Get on. Ah, yeah, I mean, so. All right, what do you know about business, you asshole? Let's well, do this. Let's tit for tat this all day. Yeah, huh? I feel like they might be in an impasse here. Yeah. <laughs> he, he convinces Goodman. Um, and Goodman pairs with Adam and his business partner, a guy named Miguel McKelvey, uh, who'd grown up in a commune in Oregon. So they both have that sort of like similar commune, background. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and together they found a company called Green Desk, which was built as an environmentally friendly co working space. Hmm. Um, now, the idea for Green Desk was actually based on a failed business plan Adam had created for a company competition at Baruch College before he dropped out. Uh, the idea was, in his words, community-structured real estate, uh, which would meld working and living space together in a manner reminiscent of the kibbutz. Uh, the plan failed to progress to the second round of the contest, and Adam complained to the dean about this, and the dean told him, there's no 23-year-old or any inexperienced real estate person who will ever be able to raise enough money to do anything like concept living. So I, I really feel like that reminds me more of like when the the railroad barons built their own cities mm-hmm. and used their own currency mm-hmm. and shit like that mm-hmm. and made people mm-hmm. live on them. So that's that's yep. where I'm at right yep. now. Yep. yep. I feel like that business model's been tried before. You're you're heading right in the right direction. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right. So now Green Desk though wasn't a whole lot like a kibitz. It was basically a way for small businesses and individuals working as contractors to lease short term office space for an affordable price. Um and this wound up being a really fucking smart move because in two thousand eight the economy collapsed uh, and there were suddenly a ton of people out of work and switching careers and businesses looking to cut costs and Green Desk did really well. We have an overhead projector. We mm-hmm. have a table. Yeah. There's pens. <laughs> None of you have money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, within a year, the business was valued at around $3 million. So they do Not bad. very successful. Not bad. That's probably more successful than the other two of his businesses. While neither of the other two okay. succeeded. Not neither of them made that. money. Okay. No, no. This is his first success. Okay. Um, now, uh, Goodman was like, we should you know, maybe do this in more buildings. This is a good idea. Let's expand, you know, conservatively to other spaces and, you know, see see how far this plan takes us. Let's Very get the fuck out of sure. thing that, yeah. oh, continue and try another couple of spaces. But Neumann and McKelvey are like, fuck that. We're going to start another business. So they sell out their shares in Green Desk in 2010 for about $300,000. Most of the money went to the guy who owned the space, right. obviously. Um, they used this seed money to launch WeWork. Now, unlike Green Desk, which had been a modest ambition based around a compromise with an uncertain landlord, WeWork was from the beginning a bold vision. Adam Neumann wanted to create what he called a capitalist kibitz, a global network of workspaces that would eventually extend beyond merely short-term office rentals. So what he'd like to do is create a capitalist commune. Yeah. I feel like there's a contradiction there, but I can't put my my finger on it. Uh, They both start with C. I guess alliteration is my issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They should have fixed that in post. 
Um, now, from the beginning, they had trouble convincing landlords uh, that they wanted to rent them space of their vision. Uh, McKelvey, his partner, later recalled, we didn't have credibility or credit. We had no business taking out a 40,000 square foot lease. But using Adam's charisma, his ability to convince people, which is significant, uh, they managed to not get for people on board. But yeah, yeah, not yeah. for friendships. Yeah. I mean, not compared to his sister. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She is a model. Uh, now, in that same interview, Neumann explained that the landlords needed a lot more than just a vision. In the end, they were only able to convince one person to rent them one floor in a building as a trial run. But this was a wild success. And over the next five years, WeWork expanded all over the world at an astonishing pace. People started to invest millions and then tens of millions and eventually billions of dollars in the company. When Adam would sell them on the idea, he presented WeWork as much more than just a real estate company. He spoke about creating the first physical social network. All I hear is Enron. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, it's interesting that you say that. Yeah. You just described Enron to me. That's all I'm hearing. Yeah, it's it's okay. interesting you said uh, physical social network, and they immediately me and Jordan both deep inhaled. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> whoo, that sounds like bullshit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of bells. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, when, Especially when he, knowing what we work is. Yes. You know, like, and, and, like, it just, it, it absolutely is like, fuck this. What I wanted to do was build a flag factory that only builds giant red flags. That's yes. what I'm going for right here. Gotcha. Probably more successful than baby clothes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I could actually use a couple of red flags. Mm. Um, I am full of them. Um, yeah, he wanted to create the first physical social network, and when he would like explain what that meant to people, he said he wanted WeWork offices to not just be places where people worked. He wanted them to be places where people could talk about their jobs, their families, their problems and love. Oh, so like an office. Like a, like a neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. I think, is more the idea. Uh, he was trying to recreate that like 50s-style idea of a neighborhood, but condensed within specially catered and decorated office buildings that he owned and sold access to. Hmm. I feel like that's this is the this is him rigging the friendship contest. That's what I'm hearing yeah. right here. I, I'm getting, I'm getting strong vibes. This is this is him just being like fucking sister. I'm going to I'll show her. My business is going to be a friendship competition. You yeah. you do feel like this was the result of him fuming over losing the friendship contest and mm -hmm. reading like an old history of the labor movement that talked about <laughs> company towns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he's like walking home after his sister wins and he hears that St. Peter, don't you call me because I can't go. Sold my soul to the company store. <laughs> Wait a tick. <laughs> Hold on. Light bulb. Yeah. Exploitation. It's an absurd thing to try to sell for hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. A very silly idea. Obviously, the idea of like, well, let's rent short-term office space. Totally reasonable sure. within the context yeah. of businesses people can run. Absolutely. Sure. People need it. Why not? Which is what Green Desk was. That's not what Adam's trying to sell. Does Green Desk continue like through as the... I don't know. Okay. Probably. I think so. Um, but yeah, Adam, this is a dumb idea. A stupid idea to, to like literally any normal person. But Adam <laughs> wasn't selling this idea to normal normal people. <laughs> he was selling this idea to investors. Ah. And investors, if I know one thing about capitalism, are all super fucking dumb. The more money they have to invest, the dumber they is. Uh, Robert, money equals intelligence. How many times do rich people have to tell us that? There are betters. And that's why that's Uber why they have money. is the most profitable company in the world. Of course. Mm. It doesn't lose $2 billion every six months or so. 
What a silly thing. That'd People wouldn't ridiculous. keep pumping money into what, it. What kind of company could exist losing that much money on a regular basis? <laughs> a None. smart one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So uh, Adam sold this idea to investors and uh, also to his employees. Um, and the answer to how he sold this very dumb idea basically boils down to the fact that he was really fucking charismatic on one-on-one situations. So he made friends with these investors. He... More like cult members. Oh, boy. Now, there's a really good New York Times article, Adam Neumann and the Art of Failing Up, which, pretty good way to frame it. Um, I'm going to read a section. history of white people in America. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to read a section from that article that I think encapsulates the way Adam both led and sold his company. Quote, and this is from to that, yeah. Adam Neumann stood on the 57th floor of the Woolworth Building, the neo-Gothic skyscraper that was once the tallest in the world. It was late on a Friday night in 2013, and the WeWork founder and chief executive had just made a move to add the top 30 floors to his rapidly expanding real estate dealings. Mr. Neumann and three employees had already enjoyed a few drinks when he decided to bring them to tour his latest coup. In the gutted-out space, they tossed beer bottles into empty elevator shafts, listening to them clink on the way down. Then Mr. Neumann told them all to follow him out to the ledge. No guardrails. No enclosures. Just four inebriated startup executives teetering on the edge of death. I was up there with him at the top of the world, and he said, Everything is going to be amazing, recalled Harrison Weber, WeWork's editorial director at the time. Then Mr. Neumann picked up an old beer bottle, a remnant, apparently, from some previous bender. He asked the employees to drink the rank liquid. Everyone took a swig, except for Mr. Weber. What is this, the end of Lost? It felt like a loyalty (laughs) thing, he said. In that moment, I felt what a deeply persuasive person he is. Man, I, yeah. I assumed that he would be up there the way I would, which is just screaming at them, do it, man! Push me over! <laughs> yeah. Fucking do it! You would have the balls to kill me! You the fucking balls! <laughs> no, that I'm still CEO! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's... I'll give you one shot right fucking now if you got the balls. That is how you get investment. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be too charismatic when you're doing that. I, I honestly feel like that behavior is very... Uh, similar to a lot of people that I may have been annoyed by in past jobs. You know, like, uh, that 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 does not seem far afield from uh, some professional douches. Oh, no. No, absolutely no, no. not. No. It, it's just, it's a real bummer. It's a, it's an elevation of scale. Like, if, if the if shitty bosses that Drink I've this. had had that kind of <laughs> bullshit charisma as well as just an insane psychopathic confidence then they would try and do the same shit. Like, mm. it's just a different level of abuse of power. I can't, it, I can't even, like, suggest music to people <laughs> lest I, like, feel like they're going to reject me for it, let alone, like, drink this swill. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, it's a testament to how good he was at doing this to most people that by 2015, WeWork was valued at more than $10 billion. Jesus. They rented out hundreds of properties on multiple continents. So... Whatever you can say about them, at least in 2015, it looks like it's fucking working like gangbusters. It's 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 such like a, things just don't exist anymore. There's nothing. There's no, no thing money's of not value. real. Is yeah, the thing. it's it's yeah. imaginary. It's entirely yeah. imaginary. This story really illustrates a couple of things to me. One, money isn't real, and two, money is like dumb. Not in the sense that like ah, oh, it's it's so dumb that like we have to live under capitalism. No, money is dumb in the sense that like. Money makes bad decisions. Yeah. The more you have of it, the worse decisions mm. you make. That tends to be the truth. 
And and the story of WeWork is the story of a lot of people with infinite resources making horrible decisions until their resources are less infinite. <laughs> ah, it's like a, it's like Tarantino's career. Like once he got enough cachet, he makes mm-hmm. movies that are probably an hour too long. Yeah. Uh, but when he was when he was coming up, it was like perfectly paced, yep. right time, all that stuff. You're, you're making the argument that like you got to stay hungry, that kind of thing. But when this dude was hungry, he made collapsible shoes. No, yep. I'm saying so. I'm saying you got to <laughs> surround yourself with people who are going to say no whenever you have a dumb idea. But this isn't a dumb idea, clearly. Uh, well, yeah. It's, <laughs> at the same Uber's time, Uber's a great idea. I get it. But yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've ever. I think I've talked to like maybe two people who have used WeWork Spaces. Yeah, and I've talked to a, a, a lot to of shit. people Good in my review. life. Yeah. So that seems it seems like a low uh, engagement. It'll in, make sense why what's going on here who a little needs bit later. Yeah. Great question. <laughs> I have a desk. (laughs) I'm poor as shit. I have a desk. (laughs) Now, in articles at the time, around 2015 to 16, WeWork was kind of hitting its its zenith, uh, Adam and those around him tended to credit their meteoric rise on the hip, cool flair they brought to what was traditionally the least soulful part of a person's life, the office. WeWork spaces were decorated in like a variety of super cool, like funky hip furniture. They have stuff kegs find too, right? Like. They absolutely have kegs. This yeah. is Poochie the dog. This yeah, is yeah. It's, we it's, a, it's, cool version it's a Poochie of the, situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it works longer than Poochie yeah. did. <laughs> um, they had funky, comfortable furniture, kombucha, and beer on tap. Um, I'm going to quote now from a 2016 <laughs> article. Fuck you. Kombucha and beer. Oh, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. It's cool, yeah. bro. Fuck it's cool, off. bro. We got no. fucking, no. We, got, we got brews, bro. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, I may have actually worked at a company that supplied a couple of WeWork uh, locations with coffee. I, I may have actually dealt with their uh, their their corporate structure before. I want to punch. I that should idea probably in the not face. talk about this. I will <laughs> say that I worked in the past at an unnamed company that had a Thirsty Thursday, where they mm-hmm. provided employees initially with unlimited beer and wine on Thursday afternoons, mm-hmm. and people made horrible decisions. Yep. Um, it it, it was a really bad idea actually to give a bunch <laughs> of people who are united by nothing than that they work in the same building access to unlimited free alcohol once a week. There was some of there was some of that vibe at uh, yeah. the uh, eh, fuck it at Groupon. <laughs> but if there's my anything there, I know, until uh, someone threw up in uh, one of the uh, the social rooms, and then they were like, "Hey, let's it's uh, not allow this. Back a yeah, little bit. let's not allow this anymore." I've always thought a lot of my inner office relationships could have been uh, improved by less inhibitions. Sure. Yeah. See, I think the way to run an office really is once a year. You just dose everyone against their will and consent with like nine to ten hits of MDMA. Okay. Okay. Like enough that they're hallucinating. Right. Like not just rolling, but right, like, right, right. like really can't control their bodies. And you've got to go to nine or ten. Yeah. You can't just yeah. go three. Yeah, we're talking about a gram <laughs> a piece at once. Um, okay. So really just overdose the whole yeah. office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good... the elderly woman who sits at the front desk. Uh, yeah. Who's going to be our, our test subject yeah. here. And then... Friendship contest. And this <laughs> friendship contest. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a few days after until yeah. people are ready to have a friendship contest or talk. But, um, Fuck yeah. a trust fall. <laughs> yeah. um, so I found a fun quote in a 2016 Fast Company article about uh, what it was that made WeWork special. And this was a very positive article. This is back before anyone's got questions about WeWork. 
It has to be the beer, a coworker tells me, believing that the secret to WeWork's success is the always-on-tap brew in its kitchens. But the hip, fun, millennial things people most often cite when they try to describe WeWork are almost irrelevant, as I discover while working from two New York locations this winter. The room full of old arcade games at the 222 Broadway location is empty all day, and the controllers for a nearby Nintendo 64 sit in a neat line, wrapped tightly by their cords in a way that suggests they've been undisturbed for some time. At the end of the day, I see only three people pull the famous WeWork tap, mostly people People inside WeWork are just working. Be so, so funny if they had all this like video games and beer, but they also had like a really strict dress code. Well, <laughs> you, you get the feeling it's the kind of thing like you go in for a job interview at WeWork, and somebody like, yeah, you want a beer from the tap, but if you actually take it during the yeah, job interview, yeah, yeah. they'll be like, everybody's okay. watching you out of the corner of their yeah. eye, just like, eh, we'll see what you do. But there is a lot of drinking, which we'll get to later. It's right. just not when you'd choose to. Okay. Now, more than beer. WeWork owed its success to investors. Its whole business hinged on getting angel investors and giant companies to invest hundreds of millions of dollars into its expansion, not unlike Uber. And the reason so many of these very moneyed individuals were willing to trust Adam Neumann with fortunes that could have funded whole nations is that he was very good at selling them on a stupid dream. By the taking f- them up to the roof. <laughs> By taking them up to the roof, making do them it, drink man. his piss. Fucking yeah. do it or invest in my company. <laughs> fucking do it. Yeah. The focus of his promises centered around his time in the kibbutz. He would weave a story to investors of the idea that office space could fulfill the same role of the kibbutz in creating community and inspiring creativity. He invented his own buzzword term. This is going to piss you off. Monorail, monorail. The, that basically. Yeah, turn, yeah. turn down Jordan's mic before you talk this off. The Wii Generation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Wii Generation, he That's called W-I-I, it. That's W-I-I, right? The Wii Generation. The Wii Generation. It's what he used to describe millennials who'd grown up in a world where renting and not owning was the norm, and no employment situation was likely to last more than a couple of years. Now, most Adult people... Adult roommates. view this as a starved generation, man. Fuck off. Most people view this is a problem for millennials, uh, but Adam Neumann <laughs> viewed it as a marketing opportunity. The we generation, he told investors, cares about the world, actually wants to do cool things, and loves working. And when he made these claims, it was not without any kind of backing. In 2016, a group called Project Time Off released a study on the work habits of millennials. They measured members of our demographic for habits evident of what they called work martyrdom. Now, work martyrs are more likely to forfeit vacation days, more likely to work excessive hours, and more likely to be seen as workaholics by their colleagues than members of any other generation. This is getting too real. Yeah. 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 When Adam Neumann frames this as loving to work, it sounds like one thing. But if you read the statements that that Project Time Off study found millennials tended to agree with, I think you're presented with a much darker picture. And I'm going to read four of them right now. No one else at my company can do the work while I'm away. I want to show complete dedication to my company and job. I don't want others to think I am replaceable. Oh, boy. I feel guilty for using my paid time off. That's right. not healthy. Right, no. right Those right. are symptoms of deep problems within our. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, you, you might as well have just been like, "I'm drowning." I am all the dying. Time. I'm drowning. I know the bottom can fall out at any moment. Somebody. Everything about my I could be on the street in three yeah. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. That's that's what that says to me. I broke my foot and now I'm homeless. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, these are signs of panic at the reality of poverty and its very imminent nature in most of our lives, not signs of a love of work. No. And I think Adam knows that. Oh. Born in 1979, he's not a millennial. The cutoff for that is usually 1981. But he's close enough that I think he gets what it's like for the folks in the we generation. But he also understands how employers think. 
if you are running a company, you want your employees to spend unreasonable hours at the office and devote themselves irrationally to the work. That is great for your bottom line. Nap rooms, yoga classes, and free beer seem like perks, but the goal in providing all that is to keep you in the office longer, working more hours. I think what Adams sold, more than anything, was a vision to employers of employees who made work the center of their very life. Here's another Adam Neumann quote from that Fast Company interview. If you understand that being part of something greater than yourself is meaningful, and if you're not just driven by material goods, then you're part of the we generation. All right. So I am wondering how many people have shivved him because the numbers not should be one. more than zero. No, not one. More than zero. Shocking. There were no knives on the roof. So, uh, yeah. You can make a knife out of anything no if you believe in yourself. No one took that beer bottle smashed yeah. it. <laughs> That really would have been the just way for the story to end. Man, there really was a moment where just a little trip and we would have been saved WeWork all yeah, over. The, yeah, none of this would have had to happen. Uh, Infinite universes. Yeah. Uh, there was a banana peel up yeah. on top. This is actually the only universe where he wasn't shoved off that <laughs> yeah. roof. Yeah. I knew we were living in the wrong one. In the 80% of the universes where he was, the police didn't even prosecute. No, no, no. And this is Someone also- told them the story and they were like, you know what? Nope. <laughs> this is also the only universe where the baby clothes thing didn't take off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm it's surprised. a great idea in every other universe. I'm surprised. Because babies are always universe. complaining about their knees. You're That's what everyone knows everywhere. about babies. Yeah. <laughs> As your baby had to have knee surgery, yeah. I think you need these. He made blowjob pants for babies. <laughs> I retract my interaction with this bit now. (laughs) So, Adam's not a dumb guy. Uh, Anti-materialism, like anti-capitalism, has grown up among members of our generation because we've been largely cheated out of the promises that our system made to older generations. Adam's anti-materialism, however, is not a rejection of capitalism. It's a way to make capitalism more profitable. If you convince workers that their job provides them with a variety of non-material benefits, then you can work them harder while paying them less. Now, if a potential investor needed proof that millennials could be sold on Adam Neumann's vision of the workplace as a neighborhood, they need look no further than the actual staff at WeWork. I'm going to quote from a New York Times right up here. That's actually really weird to think about. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the people no, no. work at WeWork. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they like, do. They, I mean, it's a big company. Yeah, yeah that's that's so. You almost just I think of it as like an empty space. We work at we well, but you got to like ma- manage all that shit, yeah, right? Yeah, you got totally. salespeople. Yeah. You got the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I'm going to quote from that New York Times piece about sort of the culture of the company. Boy, this might be a mic down clip for you, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Across podcasts, people have learned that I need to shut the fuck up. Telling telling Jordan to put the mic down is now the John Munch of podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Neumann would convince employees to take shots of pricey Don Julio tequila, $110 a bottle, work 20-hour days, attend 2 a.m. meetings. He convinced them to smoke marijuana at work, dance to journey around a fire in the woods on weekend excursions, smoke more pot, drink more tequila. Even people who don't really seem the tequila type would go along with his act, including a pre-White House Jared Kushner, who imbibed (laughs) while scoping out a property in Philadelphia. In his view, WeWork didn't simply sublease office space to workers. It supplied them with kombucha, cold brew coffee, and an ecstatic sense of community. They're coming to us for energy for culture mr neumann would say don't stop believing. i'm doing all right yeah i'm doing fine 
Now this Real is coiled good. spring this feeling over now. there. Now, you guys want to guess if Jay Kush is going to play a bigger role in this episode? I, I'm getting the sense he is. Oh, he absolutely is. He's, oh, it, it, oh. He accidentally entered into a friendship mm-hmm. contest. He did. He did. A... And everyone lost. Okay. Yeah. You know who... So arguably here's what one? he's doing. He's, he's, he's making he's making weed and tequila lame. Yeah. And he's getting the people who work for him to uh, to who, be his to, friends. To he's be very, forcing very them to drink and smoke at work. Yeah. High and drunk. Yeah. Uh, in order to break down their defenses, uh, force them to continue working as hard as humanly possible, mm-hmm. while at the same time worshiping him as something of a charismatic god. And, yeah. And, this sounds familiar to me, and I don't know why. It doesn't. It sounds like nothing that's ever been done before. Nothing. As a loyalty test, he makes them dance around a fire to journey, which is <laughs> mathematically the douchiest thing you could possibly do. <laughs> All right, now we're not going to be we're not going to be attacking Journey on this podcast. <laughs> Did you know that the uh, the uh, the keyboardist for Journey is married to Paula White Kane, Trump's spiritual advisor? <sighs> That makes complete sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, entirely, yeah. that's entirely, yeah. Mm-hmm. That Jonathan Cain, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And I have now stopped believing. Yeah. I'm not going to hold on to that feeling. Mm. Yep. What are you going to do? We on sky just stop turning. You're going to have to, you're going to have to switch back to rush. <laughs> oh yeah. I they think. did that one too. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was, that's a better song than don't stop believing. I and think. faithfully. That's not a great song. No, it's not that great. Although in the music video, there's a great shot of Steve Perry shaving his mustache, looking really sad. He's like, you know, hey man, gotta go, gotta go do shows. Gotta shave this mustache off. <laughs> it's, he it's wasn't great. faithful to it. So, nope. This is the most affecting moment. This is the it's, the, the push. It, it stuck with novel. me. <laughs> stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. Now, Adam's wife, Rebecca was a major part of the whole operation. She eventually became the chief brand officer. More on that in a That's little bit. That's not a job. That's not a job. Refuse. It is now. <laughs> Pass. She was an integral part of designing the feel of WeWork as a brand. Stop it. Get the fuck out as of here. As a certified yogi, and more importantly... What? Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> and more importantly... Certified yogi? Certified, certified Jordan, by fucking who? Jordan, Sorry. W- what's more legitimate <laughs> than a certified sorry. yogi? I'm no. very... I'm than sorry. a certified yogi who was the cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow sorry. and went to the Dalai Lama's oh, birthday. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm doing great. So I'm doing all right. Makes total sense. <laughs> There's rigid certification for yogis. This is something that you should... You got to do eight right, years right, of school. Right. You got to do a five-year yeah, internship. Yeah. I'm honestly shocked that you don't know this. There's, it's actually easier to be an oncologist. I, re- yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. reading the autobiography of a yoga, uh, a big yogi by uh, yogi what, Sri Ramak- Ramakrishna or whatever his name is. And uh, he, he said specifically, after he learned how to float... That was when he got his certification to be yogi. <laughs> that was it. There's government regulations about once, this. Once he got the power of, uh, of levitation. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Rebecca, as a certified yogi and a cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, was an expert at adding wooey new age nonsense to what should have been like a business. Um, she repeatedly claimed in interviews that when she met Adam, she was suddenly taken with a strong belief that he could save the world. In an episode of The School of Greatness, an insufferable YouTube show, she said this, My intention was never to find a way to make the most money. My intention when I met him was just, how do we expand this good vibration to the planet? Boo. Just got to explain the vibration, man. Got to expand Adam's good vibes. Has anybody ever (laughs) defined megalomania to her? 
It wouldn't take. Okay, I'm going to okay, tell you right, right now. It would not. It right. would not okay, take. Fair it would enough, not fair take. Enough. I, I apologize. Gwyneth Paltrow's first cousin. Always. Every time I think of uh, words, I assume that people understand their meaning and apply them. But I, I was uh, wrong. I'm, I'm having a really tough time because I was uh, coming in with a fairly positive view of her. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> no, the, her cousin. Oh, okay. the wife. Because yeah. you were, you said earlier that like when they first met, she made fun of him. She told him he was full of shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, then like, she married him and yeah. got involved in his business. I, I kind of thought like, yeah, maybe she's pretty cool and then everything every added detail just like nah she's not good you're full of shit like me (laughs) i can use you as a weapon (laughs) now adam embraced the image of the guru ceo he threw raucous wild parties in the office where employees were all but forced to drink he walked around barefoot and would have his personal trainer meet him in his office and then walk around afterwards drenched in sweat to lead his employees cool seems like a good yeah, yeah, Doesn't yeah, Jack yeah. do a little bit of that that Twitter stuff? Like maybe not forcing his employees to drink, but having like Who? sort of a guru vibe. Jack at Twitter. Oh yeah, absolutely. Doesn't he do a absolutely. bit of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Every time I watch Silicon Valley, the only thing I can think of is I don't know how to parody these people anymore. You can't go They're extreme enough. Parody. You can't go extreme enough. Mm. You, you know, just, it's not you beyond just parody, do reality, Jordan. and it's crazy. <laughs> oh no. The products and services that support oh, this no! show. I'm a product that supports Robert. <laughs> I have no downsides and should be bought immediately. That's a parody. <laughs> Insert right. WeWork commercial. <laughs> <laughs> no, WeWork. <laughs> Actually, you work. Our only sponsors are Coke Industries and, sure. of course, their subsidiary Nordine Defense Systems. <laughs> right. Nordine. If a wedding has to be blown up at range with a thermobaric <laughs> warhead, it has to be Nordine. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm-hmm. World's in a great shape, right? Products! BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. We're back. We're talking about WeWork, a perfect company that never did anything wrong. And that's the end of the episode. (laughs) Okay, good. Yeah. All right. No, uh, as WeWork expanded and opened new branches around the world, Adam's partner Miguel designed office spaces with narrow hallways and large open desks to encourage spontaneous encounters. In his okay, words. let me be. Let me be, ask this real quick. They are still not making any money, correct? Um, their profits double or their revenue doubles every year. Right, but no, they're not making any gotcha. money. There we go. Now, so spontaneous encounters is a real fun way to say bottleneck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most employees also hot desked, which uh, meant they didn't have assigned desks. They just wound up wherever they could get in the morning. Now, this was supposed to make things feel free and open, but it really resulted in employees spending huge chunks of their day finding somewhere quiet enough to get some work done. Right. Sounds like a fucking nightmare. Right, if I'm going right, to go to an office, I better have a motherfucking desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, um, and I'm not going to go to an office, and you can't make me. <laughs> I have enough guns at this point that nobody can. Um, Adam attempted to cultivate a capitalist kibbutz-style culture by hosting yoga classes, wine tastings, networking panels, and all-night drinking bouts that employees were expected to attend. Nothing says fun drinking like mandatory. I yeah. really feel like he's he's doing the kibbutz thing, but that from each uh, to yeah. each part, he's he's skipping that part. Oh, we're gonna the come whole, to that. There's the a quote part, that's that. The in whole a little part bit where here. it's like oh, no, 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 everything's good, but I'm exploiting you. Doesn't sound very. I thought the like kibbutz was cool, but no one liked me. Yeah. What if they had to? What if they forced them to? <laughs> yeah. Exploited their labor. What if they'd be homeless if they didn't? What if I got them all really? fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> also, they're wasted. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. We work offices were emblazoned with slogans on the wall like hustle harder and love what you do. These could be seen as either motivational or haunting depending on your personal attitude. It's the cowboy's locker room, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rapid growth came with equally rapid turnover. Few employees were able to handle Adam or we work for very long. The expansion was so rapid and turnover was so high that no one seemed to notice. It was all built on sand. WeWork would offer potential corporate clients free rent and volunteer to buy out their existing leases. This brought clients into WeWork properties, but required huge amounts of money, which was furnished by hundreds of millions of dollars in VC cash. Many companies began surfing through a series of free rent deals at sundry WeWork properties, doing the corporate equivalent of signing up for Uber with a burner email to take advantage of a week of free rides. So this is how he's keeping spaces open, how he's justifying the massive expansion. You get free rent, you get like, we'll buy out your fucking lease. So 
the idea is that eventually they'll own so much space that everyone will have to use them. It's kind of yeah. like with Uber. Eventually, like we're going to burn through money now, but at a certain point, we'll be the only ones able to offer this right, service, right, and right. then the money will flow. They'll do the loss leader Walmart mm-hmm. thing, where it's like they're we're willing to take a hit on this just to make sure all the other stores in the town yeah. go out of business, and then we'll raise prices. Yeah, and yeah. unlike Walmart, Walmart's an objectively brilliant idea. A store where I can buy nine millimeter bullets. Time cop DVDs in Arizona iced tea within ten feet of each other. <laughs> that's not yeah, that's the, not the necessities, yeah. as it were. The necessities. At least they're yeah. a thing mm-hmm. that exists. Look, if you have Time Cop on DVD, Arizona iced tea, and enough nine millimeter ammo, you can get all the other necessities. It's true. I can't afford Time Cop. I had to torrent it. That's uh, unfortunate. That's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. From Walmart to dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at a 2015 industry conference, Adam Neumann declared, we are in a consumption phase like nothing that has ever been seen. Does he mean humans or we work? No, we work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He matched these words with actions by embarking on a mass leasing frenzy, committing we work to filling up more and more office space in more and more cities around the globe. One executive told the New York Times, there was no discipline as to how Adam approved leases. Another recalled, no one knew what anyone was doing. Now, empty facilities were being filled by offering businesses free rent, which kept the shell game moving along and kept WeWork's valuation rising because all the investors are seeing is how fast the shit's expanding and revenue is doubling every right, year. Right, right, right. Net revenue, different Not, story. Yeah, the yeah. revenue's done. So it looks like, okay, once we get through this consumption phase, this is going to be yeah. gonna be making a fuckload of money. Yeah, when yeah. you say that they're signing leases and there's clients, yeah. is this like I have a small business – and I want to use the office space. Is that the lease that we're talking about? Or is it him having a lease? He's leasing space, space from landlords. Okay. And he's, he's in many cases paying, being like, I'll pay you double whatever your current tenants are paying for okay. the space. Because he just wants to have the right to all of the space. Okay. That's the idea. You right. you, you acquire all of the space and he's then the money. He's a great negotiator. Then. He's a yeah, brilliant yeah, negotiator. Yeah, yeah. Just double whatever they're paying you. <laughs> mm. Now. By 2015, WeWork was worth an estimated $10 billion in Monopoly money. Keeping all this going was exhausting for employees. One of them later recalled, quote, We would joke that we worked like slaves. Adam would have meetings on Sunday, and you could never miss those. Sometimes it wouldn't happen, or it would happen hours late, and you'd be there all night. You'd cry in the bathroom all the time. It's a good bit. Good bit. It really Good feels joke. like the lesson that tech venture people learned from Enron was we should try harder to get away with it. Oh, only one of them died? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Fuck yeah. Yeah, we're good. WeWork CFO for a time was Ariel Tiger, one of Adam's Navy buddies. He Chief, frequ- Chief fun officer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not really. Uh, <laughs> I'm a conscientious objector to that joke. Fine. <laughs> he frequently threatened to fire people while wandering WeWork's open desk office. From Vanity Fair, quote, every two weeks, Ariel would get a printout of payroll and he would go through the re- and redline the shit out of it, saying he wanted to reduce people's pay, a former executive said. I remember walking through the office and Ariel would loudly say, why do we have all these people? I could do what they're doing with two people. So I, I healthy. Honest, I kind of like that guy. Healthy work. <laughs> He is actually the most reasonable person that's, in the that's story. A, that's a fun vibe. The guy but who threatens. The guy shouting that in the <laughs> yeah, office. Yeah. Not a healthy vibe is no, what I'm trying no. to paint the picture of here. <laughs> what's your What's your uh, payroll strategy? Well, I either give a thumbs up or thumbs down and one of them dies. I don't, I don't, I don't like that guy in the real world, but like in a movie, I might want to play him. Yeah. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the kind of feeling I got. Yeah, yeah. Matthew McConaughey would be a yeah. good, yeah, good pick yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. 
In June of 2015, WeWork raised $434 million more to fund their reckless growth. Right mm. around that same time, 32 BJ Service Employees International Union, which represents cleaners in New York, launched a protest outside of WeWork's offices. Their issue was the fact that Neumann and McKelvey used non-union labor to clean their offices for $10 an hour, which is like half what they're supposed to get paid in the city of New York. Um, now, Neumann attempted to deal directly with picketing cleaners by a Approaching them with a New York Times reporter behind him and talking about his own background as an immigrant. And then getting them really Like you, drunk. I came here with not but $100,000 from my grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Free booze and kombucha for all. Yeah. Uh, this didn't work. They didn't. They didn't buy that shit. Did he take him to the roof? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he got to. Yeah, I think they shit. they heckled him immediately. Uh, Adam later told a reporter with Fast Company, "The last thing I was going to do was work with the union because I didn't believe that it's fair to blackmail someone to do something." Uh, You're literally a landlord. uh, Oh, boy. Mm. Oh, boy. Now frustrating. He did eventually sit down with Hector Figueroa, the union president. Figueroa recalled, rather than talking about the issue itself, he wanted to have a conversation about who we are as people. But Figueroa... Take your shoes off, bro. Take your shoes off, bro. Let's figure this whole thing out, What do you think about stars? Then he got me really drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Figueroa was... pushed me off the roof. Yeah. (laughs) Figueroa was too smart for that shit. Uh, he pressed the issue, and eventually Adam agreed to hire back unionized cleaners for eighteen forty-six an hour and health benefits. Figueroa was so grateful that he got his way that he gave Adam a union jacket. For what it's worth, he walked away from the interaction feeling positively towards Adam. Oh, God. Less positive was the fact that in 2015, a San Francisco landlord kicked out two tenants' rights organizations from their offices to make room for WeWork. Adam had offered to pay double the rent, which guaranteed him the space and ensured that San Francisco's homelessness problem would get even worse. This may seem out of character for someone raised in the socialistic nexus of a kibbutz, but in later interviews, Adam was quick to mention that he considered the kibbutzim to be failed social experiments. Their chief flaw in his eyes was that Everyone made the same amount of money. Yeah, there we go. That's the problem. There we go. Community was important to him, but only up to the point where you exhibited any weakness. Adam said, on one hand, community. On the other hand, you eat what you kill. So that's where the Spartan kind of culture comes in there. Uh, I got you. I don't think so, because the actual kibitzes would have totally fuck that shit. So this guy is just a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, and has a a real misunderstanding of what if I could evict everybody in the kibitz? Yeah, what if I could evict them for not being cool enough or drinking Patron with me? But but I'm sure he would rationalize it like, all right, this like let's say in San Francisco, this housing uh, organization, we take over their uh, their lease here or whatever. But they can just use the WeWork space. They can just use the WeWork space. I'm sure that there's some like that's how you sleep at night, knowing that uh, you know you've, you've you done just created this. value, man. Oh, yeah. It's value. Ooh. It's good to create value. Sure. And then these fucking people trying to help homeless people get to get fucked up at work. There you exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody with free beer, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, in 2017, Adam got on the phone with an executive from Blackstone, a major investment firm, to complain because it had invested money in a rival company to WeWork. We don't Adam, work. Yeah. <laughs> we work in hell! Adam also refused to work with le- landlords who lease space to other co-working companies, and he sued several of these uh, rivals for trademark infringement. Your work, you are work. We Labs and High Work, he said, were all infringing on WeWork's copyright. While Adam's company did not claim exclusive rights to the word work, he believed they owned the use of that word after a two-letter pronoun. 
Wow. So that was the the company's argument. So you so they are saying that if you put any two letters in front of work, yeah. you are infringing upon You are their... infringing on WeWork's copyright. All right. Okay. What about yeah. WeTwerk? I feel like he might sue you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or hire you to give his employees mandatory twerking lessons. Well, well Jordan, yeah. we are going to test this. There theory. we go. I, I think we got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Now, while the company's valuation rose, there were worrying signs that beneath all the glamour, this was just a grift. In 2013, Neumann tried to buy a stake in a Chicago building that planned to lease space to WeWork. The board rejected this idea because it would be a conflict of interest for Neumann to personally own property that his company leased hmm. that's a little bit little bit it's called a vertical integration robert <laughs> it's vertical integration that's totally it's called fine. stealing money it's from totally investors fine <laughs> nobody's ever had an issue with it now in 2014 adam maneuvered himself into control of the board of directors so he could approve his plan of personally buying up a number of properties and leasing them back to his company for millions of dollars WeWork eventually signed lease agreements with four buildings neumann owned since 2016 they paid almost 17 million dollars to his properties this is essentially theft of venture capital money funneling it directly into the owner's pocket without informing the people paying of what's happening see if it wasn't him getting the money i'm fine with yeah because venture know? capital it's yeah, also they're I'm, all so it is stealing yeah. money from venture capital venture capital yeah but he is I it mean, is I it is a because i have some sort of moral compass or whatever but i'm fine with other people robin hooding yeah i'm not gonna do it it just it is a huge grift yeah and an obvious one yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. once but we start we twerk we it will wasn't be... and there we go it yeah. wasn't obvious at first it w- none of this actually came out until a while later when they filed for their ipo and right. all this stuff became public knowledge now as the grift spun on adam continued to motivate his employees with impossible stories of where the brand was going in 2015 he claimed we work mars is in our pipeline ooh. And to- <laughs> ooh, ooh. red red flag red flag this dude that's a little baddie you don't think he's gonna go to mars <laughs> In our world, once you say my business is going to Mars, that means we're in Medbed yeah. territory. Yeah, we're fucked. yeah, that's yeah. that's generally when, if I were in that meeting, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd have to walk uh, away. Yeah. Gotta, okay. You know what? Oh, oh Mars, it's been a good ride. Yeah. Mars, Mars, okay. <laughs> On the All off right. chance you're talking literally, I have to leave. Yeah. I cannot. Uh... He told his employees that he'd met with Elon Musk and offered the company's services in prepping a future Mars mission. And I, I just love the thought that he thinks the company that leases office space would have anything to contribute to that. Uh, Yet at the same time, I completely believe him that he, yeah, that he yeah, met yeah, with yeah. Elon Musk he and they did, had that conversation. He did say he met with Elon Musk. Uh, he also said that Musk turned him down, um, which makes sense. Even Elon Musk is a little bit like... No, hmm. Hmm. this you said Mars. I have a I have a monopoly on the Mars grift right yeah. now, buddy. Don't don't try and step on my game. Now, uh, grand visions of the future were mixed with Adam's own growing reputation as something very much like a cult leader. I'm going to quote I think Jordan from, smelled that earlier. Uh, yeah, I I oh yeah, one. you yeah, absolutely yeah. did. I'm going <laughs> to quote now with experience. <laughs> I know a cult leader when I see one. I'm going to quote now from New York Magazine. Within WeWork, a mystique quickly developed around Neumann, who did little to downplay it. Until recently, an executive conference room at WeWork headquarters was decorated with a large photograph of Neumann surfing a wave. He has bragged about working 20-hour days and regularly called executive meetings that would begin after midnight. I've had meetings that started at 2 a.m. where he joined us 45 minutes late, but that meeting was worth millions, a former WeWork executive told me. We were so drunk. (laughs) We could not stand. 
shitting ourselves in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Many people told me they bought into WeWork's grand mission only when Neumann was doing the preaching. At the beginning of every week, WeWork employees were required to stay after work for a Thank God It's Monday team building event that could last for hours. Oh, okay. So they also made them exhausted and tired yeah. and less than capable of making mm-hmm. fully mm-hmm. realized decisions. All the things that I cult leaders really don't, don't like do. I've heard of that before. Nope. It's all the things you don't do as a cult leader. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Norman would typically speak, after which employees often walked around handing out shots of tequila that people were expected to consume. Every time I'm out, he brings me back in. Yeah. <laughs> One former employee says Neumann offered her tequila during her job interview, and liquor was a constant presence at pretty much every company event. Another perk for the largely millennial staff. I'm picturing this dude like with a lampshade on his head. Just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like just do, do, do. Many around. employees know the name of Neumann's favorite tequila, Don Julio 1942, and offices around the country would keep it stocked for when he came to visit. One morning in 2014, not at long after WeWork opened a new location in Washington, D.C., an employee arrived to find the game room trashed. There were cups lying around the room, which smelled to him like weed. When the employee reviewed the security footage from the night before to identify the culprits, he saw Neumann and Michael Gross, WeWork's vice chairman, drinking and partying on drinking the Time weed. Crisis arcade machine. <laughs> drinking weed. No, the room smelled like weed and there was oh, yeah. also like yeah. empty cups. Yeah. I, I really feel like I have no problem with that. Of all of the things so far, yeah. he owns this business. He got drunk and high. It's not like he was it's not like he was tweaking on like crystal meth or anything. Look, like you're that. no square. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. cool it with does, all of this stuff. You, the exploiting labor and that bullshit, I'm against. You you do get the feeling that when he wasn't around the people didn't really drink or party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, assume so. Yeah, mm. absolutely. My my experience with like workplaces that have alcohol in them, it's like most people don't. Yeah, do it, even even no, when it's you. available. Yeah. Now, not everyone bought the permanent party vibe of the company. In 2015, WeWork bought a fancy private jet, which Adam Neumann immediately took to using all over the world. He smoked weed in it constantly, sometimes breaking international law to do so. His former chief of staff, Medina Barty, got pregnant and had to stop traveling with Neumann to company events because he refused to not hotbox the company plane when she was in it. Right, right. Good stuff. She wound up filing a federal complaint against Adam for, among other things, retaliating against her for getting pregnant. That's what I was According to the to Washington Post, Barty, According to the Post, Barty, quote, alleges that female employees were subjected to sexually offensive conduct, disparaged for taking maternity leave, and often paid significantly less than their male counterparts, according to a complaint filed Thursday with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Barty had two children during her more than five years at WeWork and claims Neumann referred to maternity leave as retirement and vacation, according to the complaint. She alleges she was demoted after both pregnancies and replaced by men at higher wages and given no instruction about her new responsibilities. So cool. Yeah. Now, that story didn't drop until 2019. In 2016, the company was still riding high, flush with billions of dollars in VC money, and on its way to becoming the largest private office renter in New York City. In the spring of that year, Neumann met the CEO of SoftBank, Masayoshi Son, at a dinner. Masayoshi held the purse springs to SoftBank's $100 billion investment fund. He was one of the biggest investors in the startup world, or the rest of the world, for that matter. Adam badly wanted his money. He invited Masa on a tour of the company 
offices, and Massa told him he had 12 minutes to listen to a presentation. Neumann gave him the pitch and followed him out to his car when it was over, continuing to pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then he played Masayoshi Takanaka's Seven Goblins, I assume, for 12 minutes, right? I don't understand that joke in Never any way. Never mind. All right. <laughs> Somehow, Adam won Masayoshi son over. The elder businessman told Neumann that the only problem with his business plan was that WeWork was thinking too small. It should move from leasing office space to small businesses and working to leasing space to all businesses. Masayoshi offered him $4.4 billion on the spot. Okay. All right. Mm. No. Bad. Seems like a bad idea, right? Bad. Seems like a ridiculous thing to do. What you should do is own your own country. Yes. That's kind of where this goes. Yeah. Okay. That sounds right. Isn't this now just becoming entirely like real estate based? Because like if you're going to go to bigger companies, then you're going to need a building, and like an entire building They're, that you would then rent to them. Yeah. yeah, you would rent to them instead of them renting it because they all rent their spaces. Yeah, this is uh, it's a, a stupid idea. This is an inversion of reality. Yeah, as a business model, it's it, it, it's this this thing people talked about with Steve Jobs, this reality distortion field that he had. It, like Adam clearly has that ability, and he enraptures this guy yeah. and convinces him that like. This dream of changing the world, changing work is more than just like what it actually is, which is we rent office space. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how he did it, but he did it and he got four point four billion fucking dollars to do it. Insane. That's that's one of those things that I've I've talked about on our podcast is like. I, w- I would love to just like measure whether or not like I want to talk to this guy and see if he can get me on his side. Yeah. Like I want to no, measure my ability to fight off a cult leader. I really don't want you to do that because I, I know that you'll gotta, lose. I gotta. I gotta. I, <laughs> I was I was born in it. I need closure on my life. I have to defeat a cult leader before I can grow as a person. I okay. mean, we could hunt down Adam Neumann and throw rocks at him. I am would also that count? fine with that. That would count. I don't think I trust you to go to the roof with uh, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust me to go to the roof by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I would. I do think that if should you know our lives ever go in that direction, let's say some investor gives us four point four million dollars, and I, I get to start my the cult that I've been working on for years. Right? Yeah. I feel like a nice offshoot of that would be like maybe we make a reality show where we try and we lure see who you can- <laughs> mm-hmm. into yeah. terrible, terrible yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cults of personality. Absolutely. Well, speaking of terrible cults of personality, the episode's over. Uh, part one, part and one. it's time for you to plug. Your own cults of personality. Sure. Um, well, we do a podcast called Knowledge Fight. Indeed, we do. Uh, that uh, people can find just by, I guess, Googling it. It's on iTunes. We We're talk about really Alex Jones a lot. Yeah. It's on Spotify. Uh-huh. That's true. Uh, various other places around. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we have Twitter and all that stuff. Yeah, but. It's at knowledge underscore fight. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm Jordan. I am uh, somewhat of a comedian. And if you're looking to book me, I'm available. <laughs> Got an uh, open calendar? Tweet, tweet at go to bed Jordan. That'll, be, that'll do it. If you uh, run a comedy venue in Nome, Alaska, mm-hmm. please force Jordan to come up I'm there. not busy. I want to try I'm to send you to Alaska. Get me a plane I would go to Alaska. That's Get my goal for this. And I no, not you. Go. I can't come? <laughs> no, just mm. Jordan. Oh, come on. I'm going to follow I'm going to send you. I want to send I want to send you to Panama. I want to get you both opposite sides okay. of the hemisphere. All right. Ooh. I'll Perfectly just be singing opposite. that Panama song the whole yeah. time. They're drinking Cabo Wabo tequila <laughs> in honor of uh, Adam Neumann. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm Robert Evans. This is my podcast. You're listening to it, so you know what it is. You can find the sources on BehindTheBastards.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and at BastardsPod. You can find me on Twitter at IWriteOK. And you can find love in your heart anywhere you also find a dollar. Because capitalism, my friends, is the essence of love. And that's the note we're going to write out on. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.